Hey, y'all. Uh, thanks for listening to the Keanu Sewers. Just wanted to give you a few quick uh, episode notes about Destination Wedding, which is uh, actually the pilot episode. Uh, Constantine is the official first episode. Destination Wedding was a test, but we liked the way it turned out. And uh, frankly, none of us want to watch Destination Wedding again. So we're going to let you listen to this one as well. Um, one thing I want to talk about a little bit is just um, how mean-spirited destination wedding is and how problematic it is um we're reviewing every single keanu film and so that means we had to watch this film um if you want to watch along with us and and form your own opinions and talk to us about it that's great but also i just want to give a content warning um destination wedding has incest jokes transphobic jokes fat phobic jokes it's misogynist it's uh it's just about every bad thing you can imagine um there are parts of it that are genuinely warm and interesting and funny but there's a lot of just mean-spirited comedy in this and i don't necessarily suggest that you watch it unless you feel like watching along with us or uh want to form your own opinions about that but definitely a content warning if you're going to do so um, another uh, quick episode note is we talk in the episode itself about the films that Keanu and Winona have done with one another other than Destination Wedding. That's obviously Dracula, which I think I forgot to mention. Uh, that's the big one. And then there's this, there's A Scanner Darkly and then also The Private Lives of Pippa Lee. I have seen, obviously, Dracula and A Scanner Darkly. The Private Lives of Pippa Lee will be one of the uh, Keanu films I haven't seen. So it'll be fun to uh, watch that when it comes along and see uh, how they interact on screen in that one as well, if they do at all. I don't know yet. So yeah. So anyway, those are your show notes. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, and if you did sit through Destination Wedding to watch this with us, uh, I'm genuinely sorry. And I think uh, Keanu and Winona owe us all uh, uh, somewhere between 5 and $15 back. All right. Thanks, y'all. And here's the episode. Enjoy. Hi, everybody, and welcome to The Keanu Soars, a new podcast where we are going to be talking all about Keanu Reeves, the man, the myth, the legend, and his legacy in Hollywood. I am your co-host, G. Brett Williams. You can find me on most social media under G. Brett Williams. Uh, I am a writer, a creative director, and uh, I have made... Um, a lot more money off writing ads than I will ever make off writing comic books, which is a thing I occasionally do. And uh, and I'm going to kick to my co-host Jasmine now to introduce herself. Hey, Jasmine. Hi, my name is Jasmine Lee and I am based in Chicago. I am a research analyst in tech and I occasionally moonlight as a contributing writer for pop culture websites. My other podcast foray was for a very short-lived true crime podcast. So I am equipped with the equipment and this is new ground. I've been a huge fan of Keanu for years. I have fond memories of rewatching Speed on repeat and then recoiling back when I turned on Speed 2 and didn't see him on. Um, <laughs> so you were not crushing on Jason Patrick as hard as you crushed on Keanu Reeves? Is that accurate? Yeah, I don't tend to like blondes. Um, um, Maddie might agree, uh, disagree, but uh, yeah, I like brunettes. <laughs> well, speaking of Maddie, sitting absolutely nowhere near me, definitely not in the same room as me, is a very talented uh, uh, person that we both know well that's our guest this week. Maddie, do you want to introduce yourself? 
I think you just introduced me, right? Uh, well, I would talented. love it. I would love it for you to introduce <laughs> yourself. Uh, tell people as as much truth or as many lies about yourself as you'd like to. Ooh, that's a challenge. And you are not on social media, is that correct? You have... I mean, I have social media, but I don't like to tell people that I have it. Okay, well, you don't have to tell these people okay. that you have it either. Good so, plan. Okay, Good plan. cool. So just give us a little background. What do you do? Okay. What, what, what moves your body? Yeah, I'm Maddie <laughs> Homan. Um, I live in the suburbs of Chicago, which is much less cool, but has much more space than mm-hmm. Chicago. Um, but that's about the only benefit. Um, I know both of these wonderful people for very different reasons, but that's how I operate, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing people together. Bringing um, people together. Especially Maddie is, those who love Keanu. Yeah, Maddie is the, yes. unofficial, uh, the unofficial third uh, host of this podcast. I think the, she is the founder of the feast as it were, yeah. um, the paterfamilias. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. So Jasmine, we, what we're going to be doing, I think every week or every couple of weeks, every time we record one of these podcasts, I should not <laughs> commit to anything. Uh, but every time we do this, we're going to be talking about a specific Keanu Reeves movie. Uh, we're going to discuss robustly with a guest, uh, how we felt about that movie. And at the end, we'll rank it on a scale of one to four woes and then uh, stick around for a few extra fun segments on the back end. But Jasmine, why don't you tell everyone uh, what Keanu movie we are doing today? Yes, we will be talking about Destination Wedding. It is an interesting movie. (laughs) It reunites Keanu Reeves with Winona Ryder. um, And the two of them play very cynical lonely human beings who find each other by happenstance on a plane, a very small shitty plane on the way to, we're going to get into that plane. (laughs) Yeah. They barely got into that plane. We are going to talk a lot about that plane. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Like literally barely, like Keanu just hulking to get into it. Yes. Um, But, (laughs) um, but, <laughs> I'm not convinced um, it's a plane. Sorry, go on. Oh my god, it is not. It's, it's the definitely back of the bus. not a plane. We can get to it later, but yeah, it's not. If it is, it's some weird off-road plane that doesn't ever get off the ground. No. Um, but yeah, so the two of them meet, immediately loathe each other, um, find out they're going to the same wedding, continue to loathe each other, and then spend the rest of the movie being the only people who talk in the movie, getting to know each other. Possibly falling in love. That's debatable. And just using (laughs) and that's just using the entire one hour and 30 minutes pontificating. That's the movie. Pontificating is definitely a nice way of putting it. Um, So, yes, Mm -hmm. Destination Wedding. It is a uh, it's a a film. Uh, made in 2018 by Victor Levin. Victor Levin is his claim to fame. Uh, his biggest claim to fame, I guess, is he was a writer of some renown on Mad About You, a 90s television series starring Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt that all of our parents watched. And we st- stood in our in our bedrooms <laughs> or nearby on the couch and completely ignored because it was not for us. Um and oh, I loved Mad About You. Oh, you love you love Mad About You? Yeah, yeah. It was my first introduction to a non-friends um, version of New York. And honestly, the reason why I like it is because it is seems more uh, grown up and like adult. And it's, it's two people who adult. are like madly in love. 
Yeah. Who are madly in love with each other, but they can still do hijinks and not be less than the sum of their less, parts. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I think I think definitely like to me, mad about you as adult and and not adult in the like red light district sense of the word, but like mm-hmm. adult <laughs> in the way that like these people have adult problems and man, adulthood seems really trying and kind of overwhelming mm. and boring at times. Um, <laughs> yes, it was created by Victor Levin. Um, it was shot over the course of just 10 days. Uh, it was, uh, it made considerably less than its small budget, considerably less <laughs> than its small budget. And it was actually produced, Maddie, by, uh, Maddie, I think has a, has a nugget of interesting, uh, trivia here. Uh, who is the executive producer of Destination Wedding? That would be Cassian Elwes. Cassian Elwes is, oh, uh, here's an interesting thought. How do you pronounce, is it, is it Elwes or Elways? I've always said Elwes. Jasmine? Elwes, Elways. Do you even know who we're talking about? Uh, I always call it. El- I think. Um. Yeah. Obviously. Um. El- but I always call them L's. I think. I don't even know. It's it's one of those names words that I've yeah, never I mean, said it's aloud. Kind of like Brett Favre. You don't really know. And I just read it. There's no way to know the consonants that it's and the vowels. Unless you've heard someone. Yeah. 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 Favre, exactly. Favre. Unless you've heard someone so pronounce Brett Favre's name out loud, there <laughs> yeah. is no way to know how to yeah. pronounce it. And Carrie Ellis is clearly the Brett mm. Favre of Hollywood. Clearly, in every way, except for one very mm-hmm. important mm-hmm. way is that mm-hmm. oh, we're pretty certain Carrie Ellis has never sent unsolicited naked photos to sports reporters. Yeah. Um, yeah. An important distinction between the two. Mm. Um so yes, it was produced <laughs> in large part, or not in large part, but in some part by Carrie Elway's brother, Cassian Elway's. Uh, just a nice little fun bit of useless trivia there about if you're ever in a bar trivia and need to answer questions about Destination Wedding. Um, and yes, it is a, a Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder vehicle. And as Jasmine mentioned in the beginning, uh, it reunites the two of them uh, for the first time, I think, since... A scanner darkly they've done three films together and um you know and i i i believe mm-hmm. that i you know there's there's bram stoker's dracula uh there is um there is a scanner darkly and then a third film that's name i'm forgetting where they don't interact with each other much on screen but uh i think just to start us off like one thing that i was really struck by and i would be interested to hear you guys thoughts on this is they still have like they are best. They are like very close friends outside of outside of Hollywood, outside of this film. They've known each other for, I, I think, affectionately. Mm-hmm. Maddie said, um, as long as she's been alive. Yeah, for which, as many years as I have been alive. As which is which is <laughs> how many years? That is thirty. Years. Thirty years, which means they have been friends for mm-hmm. almost as long as I have been alive. <laughs> I am a little bit older than that. <laughs> Um, but yes, I think one of the things and an interesting thing about this movie, and I, this is a romantic comedy question mark. Like, yes to the question mark. Yeah. <laughs> yes to the question mark. <laughs> so how did, what, how would you classify destination wedding? Because, because I think we have a slightly different, like, I, I think all of us kind of approach it in a in a slightly different way and i i'm interested to hear like how what do you think that what what genre of film is destination wedding to you 
Um, I don't even know if this is like a genre, but it's a talking movie. It's a talking film. Um, I think it's trying its very hardest to be the 2018's version of My Girl Friday, His Girl Friday. Okay, yeah. Um, failing miserably. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I know, Brett, you said that we shouldn't use this time to like talk about how good or bad the movie is, but like I feel like my sentiments <laughs> no, okay. are coming through. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't have to rank the movie here, but it's definitely, mm-hmm. it's definitely, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I th- I think that's, that's an interesting, I think that, yeah, that's an interesting take. His Girl Friday, it does feel a lot like that. It feels like it's got some of that old Hollywood length energy in the way that like the banter feels very, um, very pronounced, very back and forth, mm-hmm. very kind of prosaic too. I mean, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's rooted in some like pretty archaic gender politics, um, yeah. which is a thing that this movie I think will struggle with throughout. Um, uh-huh. You know, yeah. I do think, you know, Maddie, what, what's your take on, on destination <laughs> wedding rom-com or nom-com? Like what is the, what exact <laughs> non-rom-com, the anti-rom-com? What do you feel? I feel like it's a black comedy. Okay, interesting. Why do you think a black comedy meaning that it is meant to make you feel bad yes. while laughing? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> what Which is, is wh- exactly how I feel while watching? Okay. This movie. <laughs> so you think so? So to expand on that a little bit. Why do you, Why do you think black comedy? You think that is the intention of the filmmaker was to make a black comedy? Well, absolutely. There's no way that we're supposed to like these people. Every second that they're on screen, yes, I love looking at them and love listening to them, but I hate everything about their characters. Okay. Now, that's interesting because you love listening to them, you love looking at them, and I think that is a testament to one of the things that we could probably agree is best about this movie, which is their chemistry. Um, I think that the two of them are amazing on screen together. At times, they are genuinely like... There's, there are moments, um, you know, especially like when they're in the bed together, when they finally kind of mm-hmm. get together and there's that bed scene and there's a lot of like really great chemistry between them there. And I think that's kind of like one of the best moments in the film where they're they're really showing a lot of like just how, how well they get along and how well they get along as actors and how comfortable they are. But yeah, I think I think that chemistry helps progress this movie in a way that makes it like more palatable than it would be in anyone else's hands. You know, I think as we were, why Maddie and I watched it together. And as I was watching it, I kept thinking like, this feels more like, like a John Hamm kind of role or like a, like, like John Hamm and like Gwyneth Paltrow or something like, like two people that like you or John Hamm and, and Cameron Diaz. If you told me this was a John Hamm and Cameron Diaz movie and it was made in 2011, I would be like, okay, yeah, I buy all of this. Um, But it it is interesting because they do have such good chemistry and they are people that like, they're kind of 90s darlings. And Keanu is like the whole reason for this podcast is because we all love Keanu so much. He's just Mm -hmm. kind of universally beloved. So it was an interesting choice for them to get back on screen together to play such odious characters um, Jasmine, I'm interested how you feel because I know that you had like some pretty strong feelings about <laughs> like how much you dislike these people. Because I think I think the point is to, to Maddie's point. I think the point is that you're you're not supposed to like them. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a lot of ways, I felt like it was satirizing romantic comedies because like romantic comedies from mm-hmm. the '90s, a big hallmark of the romantic comedies from the '90s, especially, is that like everyone sort of sucks. And the behavior that they're exhibiting <laughs> is kind of like 
really toxic. And like, if you actually did any of the things in real life that people do in romantic comedies, like you would potentially be a stalker. Like there's just like a lot of really obsessive and like poor behavior and negative behavior. And like, so in that way, this felt like maybe it was trying to satirize that. But I know Jasmine, you've kind of felt like, no, (laughs) it's just, um, how did you, how did these characters make you feel? And did you connect to them in any way? Like, (laughs) um, short answer, no. Um, but (laughs) so I, I, when I was, when I was like reading, um, your notes, Brett, I was actually really interested in your idea of it being a romantic, um, comedy satire. Um, cause that is a very interesting read on it. And I kind of wanted to rewatch the movie with that mindset, but I just, I didn't. Um, but, (laughs) um, so I think the, the thing for me, I agree with Maddie, looking at them, listening to them is very enjoyable. Um, them as Frank and Lindsay, though, was difficult to believe. And mm-hmm. I think Manny will talk about it a little bit later about like what other actors uh, would could have portrayed the two of them. Um, but yeah. first of all, Frank and Lindsay are the furthest names possible from Keanu <laughs> and Winona. And I know that all actors can't choose their names, but like I cannot see Keanu Reeves as a Frank. I, I right. can't. No, never. Right? And no. I, and you know what's crazy about this film, too, is that I feel like these are two actors that, like, they have the ability to do whatever the hell they want. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. especially Keanu, but even Winona. Winona's had a huge career renaissance because of Stranger Things, and mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. she is back in a big way. And I feel like they can say no. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. on some level, this appealed to both of them. Yeah. And it's strange then that I mean, and I think maybe maybe that is part of it, maybe because they are such beloved actors and they usually play characters that are like also beloved or heroic or or, you know, complex in, you know, anti-hero sort of ways. Keanu plays Mm -hmm. a lot of anti-heroes. Winona plays a lot of complex, lovable characters like maybe the appeal Mm -hmm. was that they could just be scumbags on screen together for a little while like i feel like them shooting this movie was probably a lot of fun but the way you feel watching it is not necessarily as much fun (laughs) yeah like so the thing is and okay and uh, right now i'm blinking on that um rom-com but the rom-com with um jennifer goodwin and kate hudson and the one where they fight over like the bar the kendall um Anyway, but like the reason why they chose Kate Hudson is because her normal movie persona is very likable, very bubbly. Um, And so despite her character being really terrible because of the film audience's expectations of Kate Hudson, her character was softened on film. Right. That was not the case with this movie. Yeah, that is. Yeah. No, keep going. Yeah, because that is interesting because like it doesn't it doesn't your love of them does not serve to soften the characters at all. No, no. If anything, it serves further to dissociate myself with that. Like, I honestly spent the movie being like, why did Keanu and Winona do this movie? And why now? It would make sense maybe early 2010s, like before Stranger Things, before John Wick, before any of them, either of them came back, like you right. had said. Yeah. Um, but it is a very odd choice in 2018 for them to do this movie. Yeah. Um, and the and also it like in my notes I had written down, 
they're trying so hard. <laughs> like you can tell they're trying so hard to sell these characters, sell these lines. And when it works, it does work, but it works very briefly. So that bed scene, I also love. That was my favorite part in the movie. They were just bickering. Um, they were real. It seemed like a insight into what their friendship in real life could possibly be, where it's just kind of like yeah. back and forth. But that like softened bickering in that particular scene is nowhere else in the movie. Yeah, no, no, um, for sure. It feels like yeah. that portion is the portion of it that feels the most old Hollywood. And I think that's it. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes sense that that's the part that resonated most with you as a scene. Cause it does feel the most like those sort of classic Hollywood, you know, those, those sort of classic, like a his girl Friday, like that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Cause like, that is that kind of like playful kind of misogynist, but still <laughs> lovable in a weird way banter mm-hmm. that we all sort of accept from like fifties and sixties, Hollywood romance. And, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I do think that's an interesting like take on it because I think that might be partially what they were trying to go for. I think mm-hmm. Maddie has figured out which movie you were trying to think of too. Yeah, Something Borrowed. Is that it? Yes. Something yeah. Borrowed? Yeah. I've never seen Something no. Borrowed. Uh, it doesn't have Keanu in it, so I won't be seeing it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, nope, nope. Unless Keanu <laughs> pops up somewhere. Keanu <laughs> randomly pops up in things from now on. So, uh, it is, we have found a TV <laughs> right, schedule right, right. in yeah. case we want to watch on it. TV so, I, I want to talk a little bit about kind of just like these characters and like why, like what it is about them that like, so, so when you said they're doing a lot of work, they are Mm -hmm. literally doing a lot of work. They're doing the most work because Mm -hmm. this film has an interesting device. Maddie, Mm. who talks to each other in destination wedding? Only I had to think for a second, Frank. (laughs) It's okay. You can use their actor names. (laughs) Only Frank and Lindsay. How many, I'll ask you in a different way. How many speaking roles exist in Destination Wedding? Exactly two. How many characters exist in Destination Wedding? I mean, I think there are some people credited as characters, Mm -hmm. but for all intents and purposes, there are two characters in this movie. So when Jasmine Mm -hmm. says they are doing work, they are literally Mm -hmm. doing all of the work. Because mm-hmm. right, no All of the one acting else, work. No one else mm-hmm. talks to each other, right? And Mm-mm. it sets up this really interesting dynamic, which I think is like as a device is like probably a lot of fun for them, and mm-hmm. it and it and it feels again back to your old Hollywood like comment. It feels a little bit like a play, yes. And a yes. lot of old Hollywood films were just like we're going to adapt a play or a novel and just kind of film it verbatim on put it verbatim mm-hmm. on screen and. It feels a little bit like that. Like, I think if this were like a small off-Broadway production that they did like an eight-week run of as a play together just to have some fun, it -hmm. might have been like a pretty fun night out in New York. Like, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. watching this on film and watching these like really... Okay, I want to talk about a couple of scenes. There is Mm -hmm. a scene where they are at the rehearsal dinner (laughs) and they are talking at length, <laughs> at length mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. like the character Keanu. Okay, so Keanu, that that's the thing we didn't talk about. Like, so Frank and Lindsay have a connection to this wedding. They're both going to this wedding because Frank is like Lindsay used to date the the groom, and we find mm-hmm. out on the plane that isn't a plane that mm-hmm. Frank is the brother of the groom. And mm-hmm. that somehow he and Lindsay never met because his he is estranged from his brother. And and we think that they're going to make it sound like he and his brother 
like that his brother is a real asshole, but you find out, ah, plot twist, Frank is the asshole. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so he's not going <laughs> to hang out with his brother because he's an asshole. And mm. then, so yeah, you get into that moment on that plane and they start talking and it's immediately evident that they hate each other and that like any chemistry they have is going to be that any chemistry that the script manufactures is going to be based on their overall worldview being similar, being nihilistic, but also mm-hmm. mostly in their shared enjoyment of making fun of other people, which happens mm-hmm. pretty frequently in this film because no one ever uh, talks to them. No one ever mm-hmm. engages with them because they're the only people speaking. And there is a scene where like they are at the rehearsal dinner for this film or, or for this this wedding that they're at and oh my god <laughs> it is like the device really starts to fall apart a lot mm-hmm. in this moment because there's a moment where they're like like every awful joke they could make is being made and they're making mm-hmm. like a really ageist like commentary on like Keon I'm going to try to get it right Frank's mom's second husband's girlfriend yes thank you is an older woman they're all elderly but she is also elderly and they're talking about how elderly she is and they're talking and and the camera instead of staying on them cuts back and forth between them and the people they're talking about and the people they're talking about the mom the second husband and the girlfriend are just not speaking. No, they're just no. standing there as if they are actors aware that other <laughs> actors are speaking about them. Mm-hmm. And it is so awkward. And I think like Jasmine, like what, how did you feel about this device? And do you feel like, I know that in the bed it worked, but I, I feel like mm-hmm. personally, like I think this movie needed like, other characters to come along and audit them so Mm -hmm. that you know that they're bad because obviously Mm -hmm. you know they're bad they're terrible people but when the only humor in the film is their dialogue and their banter then it's almost as if the writer thinks the things that they are saying are funny and sometimes Mm -hmm. the things they're saying are ableist or ageist or transphobic Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I'm interested, like, how you feel, like, if you think, like, there needed to be other characters here to kind of show up and tell them that they suck. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, So a few things um, within that. So the play aspect of it is I totally felt that as well, especially in just the way they framed every scene. And it was honestly surprising to me that, or let's let's rephrase this. I would be surprised. I would not be surprised if I found out that they filmed all of Keanu and Winona's film, uh, scene separately, and then filmed everyone else in the background separately, and then just fuse it together. Because there's 100% that little it feels that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. hundred <Eat> <laughs> percent feels that way. <laughs> like... Yeah, I was, and it's it's strange because even. Like the taxi driver at the end, he doesn't say anything. Even like the people going around refilling their wine glasses, they don't say anything. And it's such, at that point, it has to be deliberate. It it has to be that everyone else is just background filler character to fill in the movie, like literally fill in the movie. Um, So yeah, the other thing about it is that my 
immediate reaction to the first title card um, where they uh, showed us like the actual title of the movie, which is what? A narcissist... a narcissist uh, will can't die. die because then the world would end. Right, which was yeah. the which was the original title of the film, and they changed it mm-hmm. to Destination Wedding, which definitely suggests like a romp of a rom com, and not the <laughs> yeah. terrible like everything is entropy film that we watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, seriously. And so, honestly, starting from that, it be- immediately became the kind of movie, the kind of experiment that I despise. Um, <laughs> so, fun fact, Mandy and I went to college together. We were both English majors. We did not bump into each other, which is insane. Yeah, not to spoiler the last segment of the show, but are y'all in The Matrix? We might. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, it's a... Yeah, it's a fact that Maddie and I frequently marvel over that it, we just never came into like came into each other's lives when we were in. in yeah, I mean, you guys missed so many opportunities to have a meet cute. Like, yeah. I know, right? I know, right? <laughs> we did, we did, we did. Yeah, it was years later, but it was better because um, I had glowed up by then. But um, anyway, so uh, um, the so the reason why I bring that up is because Maddie is fully familiar with the kind of people that I will be mentioning. So anytime that I went out, there would invariably be someone, a film major, an English major, a creative writing major, a rhetoric major, whatever, um, who decided to pontificate and just talk and use big words and just kind of like reference um, things to make them sound smarter, to make them sound whatever. I've met other men, yes, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know of which you speak. And so that's the vibe that I got. I The entire movie, and we can talk about it a little bit more, but it felt like a film student had written this to showcase how nihilistic he can be, how, like, I don't know, just he created these two characters who are incredibly uh, unlikable and everything. But the thing is, on paper, it works. On paper, yeah. here, yes. I, I wrote this, like... Both Frank and Lindsay's neurotic and cynical tendencies comes off very different on film than on paper. Lindsay's desire to literally breathe life into her plants comes off as a very odd quirk as an introduction for her character. And Keanu's nihilistic tendencies serves as a device for them to talk about all the shit in the world. What I just said could exist in a film, like in a film essay. And I think that is was the point, but that doesn't make a good movie. It doesn't translate. Mm-hmm. It doesn't translate. Like I, I think that's I think that's my issue. Is is I almost love this movie, which is, <laughs> and I think it's interesting. I I think one of the things we talked about, like in our in our lead up to this, like was mm-hmm. it has a fifty one percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which shocking. Which so so the what that means, what that actually means on aggregate is that a lot of mm-hmm. people really enjoyed it and a lot of people really fucking hated it, and mm-hmm. there's not like. There's not a lot of middle ground there. And I think that's I think movies like that are really interesting. And I tend to like I tend to really enjoy watching like 50, 45, 55 percent movies from Rotten Tomatoes because there is a lot of polarization around them. And Mm -hmm. like I think this movie is it's one of those movies where like, yeah, I like I almost liked this. Like there are Mm -hmm. parts about it that I really enjoyed. I laughed out loud a number of times because (laughs) their delivery is so crisp and, yeah. and some of the dialogue is really smart. And in those moments, Jasmine, where I think they are kind of what you're getting at is if these characters were allowed um, 
I, I think part of what we talked about earlier or not earlier, but talked about before we started recording was mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it it is part of what makes this so unrealistic is that no one this awful in real life is this self-aware. And yes, yes. I think where they are most interesting is in their self-awareness, but they don't grow throughout the film from any of those self-aware moments. And so they end up just being really disappointing. And I just kept feeling the entire time your point about like how it feels like like every first year film students like yes. I hate the world movie. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I've written scripts like this. <laughs> You know, I've gar I have trashed stuff like this before. You know, I've written this kind of nihilistic poetry and and prose as a younger writer. And I just kept fit thinking, like, did Victor Levin have like the world's worst divorce? Like, what <laughs> happened? Because if you go back to like Mad About You, that stuff's dated. It's very 90s, but those people loved each other. And like mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. is a lot of that dynamic and a lot of that energy and the dialogue and the way that they interact with each other here, but a lot of that like hopefulness is missing. And I think to your point, that is an interesting premise. It's an interesting thing to say, we have a rom-com. Everyone in rom-coms is usually pretty terrible. We're going to make a rom-com about terrible people. And I know Maddie, that's to you, that's what is most appealing about it is like can you talk about like what like you think that's that's what makes this kind of takes it over the edge into being you know a good even if it's even if it's just an experiment it's a valuable experiment personally i don't want to watch something cutesy something um uh what's the word um formulaic sure that Mm -hmm. so many romantic comedies tend to that's a trap that they just tend to fall into a lot. Yes. And these characters, because you don't see them grow, because you don't see them interact with anybody else, like you are all in on the fact that these people are narcissists and literally that everything is about them. And I think the absurdity of it, like there are so many scenes, like you mentioned, the rehearsal dinner scene baffling <laughs> he totally oh gosh baffling. we totally forgot <clears throat> i'll bring it up later his yeah. he talks his father shot him right that comes up in the <laughs> yeah. rehearsal dinner scene yeah. that's going to come up later in a thing again that i'm not going to spoil the end of this show but yeah go on but that's part of it too they're not emotionally aware enough to have uh, the conversation that needs to be had about the fact that <laughs> his they- dad shot him yeah. The whole sex scene, which I know that okay. you two have. Uh, okay, we've got to get into Okay, we would be doing the audience a disservice <laughs> if we did not talk about this sex scene. Oh my <laughs> God. Okay, so to talk about how awful they are, there is a moment in the middle of this film where they have gone on a hike together, which is already baffling. These people do not go on fucking hikes They certainly are not going on a hike together. I don't know Mm -mm. what possesses them to do this, but they decide to go on a hike. And it's and and it really I feel like the reason they're hiking is because they're where they're shooting is beautiful. And like they wanted to like shoot a bunch of aerial footage of hills. Um, I think the reason that they go on a hike is that they needed to get them away from the actual wedding. 
Well, hundred percent because no one else speaks. So yeah. it would be really weird to have them at <laughs> yeah. a wedding where no one is yeah. speaking. Yeah, and to continue with that conceit. <laughs> right. Yeah. So they yeah. go on a oh, hike to makes get sense. them away from other people who might have to speak. And mm-hmm. in in this hike, they end up deciding very, like very sort of like clinically, mm-hmm. to have sex because. They're going to eventually, and they might as well get it out of the way, is kind of the feeling that you have. And then Mm -hmm. it feels like then a great deal of absurdity is going to come along very quickly and interrupt this sex scene. But no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's also a hallmark of romantic comedies is people happen into wild situations. They happened into one that then didn't happen as well i mean it happens it just takes a while for it to happen um and on the lead up to the absurd thing that happens which i (laughs) I will i'll spoil it a fucking wildcat shows up while they're having sex and they're like oh my god there's a wildcat here and like they have to then try to deal with this wildcat and they deal with the wildcat by Keanu's character, Frank, just like hawking Lukey's kind of loudly, yeah, which is yeah. a thing that he does. It's like, as if he weren't bad enough, he also gave the character a physical tick where he, where he like clears his throat really aggressively mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. he didn't need yeah. another thing. Um, but, but the, but Chekhov's hawking Lukey's comes back in in the perfect time and they scare off this jungle cat or this this mountain cat but before uh-huh. that happens jasmine how long does this sex scene go on oh my god for too long i honestly want to say it was like 5 minutes and also to be like complete honesty i i fast forwarded i was just like i watched a little bit i saw them tumble around and then the minute he like entered her i was like i am done and then i just fast forward <laughs> <laughs> the minute he, and to be fair, that is what it feels like. It feels that clinical. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, he it even. Does. I think he even says, "I'm going to enter you now." Mm-hmm. I believe that mm-hmm. is the line. That's, that's not a quote that I wrote down, so I can't confirm. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that is a line in the film. Maddie, you wrote down some quotes. Uh, can you go through some of these quotes that some of just to give people an idea of just like how insane the dialogue in this mm. film is? Because sometimes mm-hmm. it is very funny, but sure. also it is. Who man. Uh, and these are these are some of our favorite quotes from Destination Wedding. Do you have any context to these? Um, so the first <laughs> quote that I wrote down was when they were on the plane. Um, one of them says, you're even worse than he said. And the other says, you are too. And that's when they realize their shared connection. Yes. Of Keanu's brother. Yes, yes, yes. And Winona's ex-fiance. Yes. And really, I think... That line is telling about the whole movie. It's all about pretension. It's all about how, one, they see themselves, and two, how they think other people see them. Right. And that's really all that matters. Which is interesting. And it's it's interesting that you bring that up because that's why I think I want, that's why I want to see, and, and maybe it would make it more formulaic, but that's why I want to see what other people think of them, because yeah. mm-hmm. ultimately I think it would give me more to sink my teeth into if I was able to see. Because the whole time, uh, and 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 I want to get you know get on to the next segment soon. But like one one time, the whole time, um, I was watching this, and I'll see if you guys felt the same way. 
I was thinking, man, I bet their family is awesome. Like, I bet his brother is actually, like, really great. And, like, I was like, his mom is twice divorced, still friends Mm -hmm. with both of her ex-husbands. Her ex-husband's, like, girlfriend is at the wedding. This dude invited his six years ago ex to his wedding. They're all super chill. Who sued him. Mm. Oh, that's another thing we didn't even bring up. Like, they are, their (laughs) jobs are, they are horrible people. Oh, yeah. Horrible people. He at one point refers to her as the PC police. Mm -hmm. And I'm Uh like, when was this written? (laughs) Yes. What the hell is this? What is the point? But yeah, they they have this moment where like, like I feel like that that wedding scene or that rehearsal dinner scene outside of Keanu's father shooting him, um, <laughs> Keanu, the Frank's dad seems like a bad guy. But it seems like what they're setting up is that oh, like this kind of like it seems like the filmmaker is really and he wrote and directed this film, so it is all his. It's just his perspective. I think he's like he's trying to tell us like 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 how much he hates the sort of people that sit back at events and gatherings and just talk shit about mm. how nice those gatherings are the kind of people <laughs> who just refuse to access fun because mm-hmm. like I've like weddings can suck yeah but like mm-hmm. also they're fun like like mm-hmm. I I enjoy a good wedding especially one in a really nice place you know where I'm I mean like how are these people so miserable they are objectively sleeping with the two hottest people in the world (laughs) at a fucking wedding in the middle Mm -hmm. of wine country. Like, Mm -hmm. why are you so angry? And I think that maybe ultimately is the commentary he's trying to make. And maybe, you know, maybe that's just like not a thing I want to hear from like a man in his sixties who's wealthy. Like his opinion <laughs> yeah. on like whether people are having fun at weddings or not is not necessarily mm-hmm. something I care about yeah. ultimately. <laughs> but um, yeah, that I think that sort of I do. That's, a good, that's an, yeah. Go ahead. I don't know. I was just th- thinking that's an interesting point because it is set in beautiful wine country. Um, even though it was funny because when I was watching this with Nick, he was just like, why the fuck would anyone have a destination wedding Wait, at Possible Place? No, we don't know who Oh, oh my Nick? boyfriend Nick. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> when I was watching this with my boyfriend Nick, who kept doing like inane commentary on the side, and I was just like, you must stop talking. But um, he was just like, why would anyone do a destination wedding at Possible Robles? There's nothing there. Um, <laughs> I think I that's like, why. Right. Because Nick yeah. is from California and would know Yes. This. Yeah, I think yeah, it's probably because I think probably... They did it there because it was the cheapest place that would let them film this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like it's so it's set in a beautiful setting. Their hotel rooms are gorgeous. Um, but like the aside from the both of them just being like horrible people, in the very first scene that you see Winona, her house is awful. Like it's like bleak and gray, and she has yes. like one plant that she's like fucking breathing on every time. She does I don't not understand. know what photosynthesis means. <laughs> no. No. No, I'm just like, this is not how it works. And then Keanu's room, like Nick was just like, he was like, are they still at the hotel? Because his room looks awful. Yeah, it looks like a hotel. 
Yeah, and so, like, if that is the message that the director and writer wanted to give, which, again, yes, I don't want to hear this from a 60-year-old wealthy dude. um, (laughs) It's, like, it's so interesting that these people who are so horrible to each other, who probably have found the only people who could stand them in the world, like, just live very boring, barren lives. Yeah, and and that's interesting because at the end, they mm -hmm. get together. Yeah. Which is... So I'll and and I'm, I I want to get on to like how we felt about this like overall, but like uh-huh. I think the ending is interesting because you know to me this movie. So at the end they they fly back, they have their goodbye, they have kind of a lingering should we shouldn't we we probably shouldn't moment in the cab, which I think actually feels like a really genuine honest version of how that interaction would go in real life. And then mm-hmm, he's kind mm-hmm. of shitty to the cab driver or to the, to the, to the, yeah. not the cab driver, but to the guy that hails the cabs at the airport to the taxi stand guy. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. a cab shows up. And like mm-hmm. that to me feels like where this movie is supposed to end. Yes. It felt a little bit like a cheat that they got mm-hmm. together because I, I think for this movie to be successful, they don't need to be happy. Like, I don't think they deserve to be happy. I think they need to earn that. And so that that does flip it a little bit because it's like, is the point of this that like everyone deserves to be happy even if they treat everyone like shit? And I'm like, (laughs) I'm not here for that message. (laughs) I don't think they end up happy. I don't think them show, like, I don't think Keanu showing up at the end and them getting together means that they will be happy because they aren't happy when they're together throughout the whole movie. Okay. That's fair. So you think that they're, they're not, they're not alone. It's just another extension of their misery. They're not (laughs) alone, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're happy. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about our overall feelings about this film. We have recapped it. We have all talked about how we're feeling about it. And now I think we should rank Destination Wedding. And we have a very, we have a very specific scientific ranking method here at the Keanu <laughs> Store, something that we have put painstaking time and effort into to arrive at. It is, uh, you know, I think it's a very great arbiter of, of taste and, uh, uh, frankly, we're going to uh, we're going to rank every film we do, and we are doing every single Keanu Reeves film. Uh, we're going to rank everyone on a on a scale of one to four woes, not Joey Lawrence <laughs> woes, Keanu woes, and they're very different. Mm-hmm. They are mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. A Joey Lawrence yeah. woe is kind of a whoa, and a <laughs> and a Keanu woe is more of a whoa. It's way more elegant. It's dignified. It says a lot. So. Uh, Maddie, you enjoyed this film the most. So let's start with you. Where on a scale of one to four woes would you rank Destination Wedding? <laughs> well, what was the determination on half woes? Uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm going to allow it. I'll allow half woes. Okay, well then I can confidently give this film two and a half woes. Two and a half woes yeah. for Maddie Hillman. Yep. Jasmine, where do you fall on the scientific woe scale for Destination Wedding. Now that I know that half woes are allowed, um, I give it half a woe. <laughs> half a woe? Could you, yeah, for the audience, yeah. could you try to vocalize half a woe? <laughs> it would be like a whoop. And then, <laughs> yeah. Like that scene. Um, yeah. Okay. I so, was trying to uh, verbalize 
my d- disbelief as a book. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm just like, so- what? So, um, so yeah, a what is kind of how you feel about this this movie even being made. So for me, um, on a scale of one to four woes, I'm probably going to give it two. Um, I think that there is an interesting idea in this movie. Uh, I don't think it was executed in a particularly interesting way, but I do think that ultimately I would watch Keanu and Winona read the phone book. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go two woes, uh, but getting out of the two woe threshold is going to be pretty difficult. So I think there's a lot of Keanu movies that are going to rank way up there. And then quite a few that'll probably be down here with destination (laughs) wedding at the bottom of a wine barrel. (laughs) Hey everybody. Welcome back to the Keanu sewers. Uh, we are ready to walk you through our last segment. It's a segment we call Does It Matrix? And uh, in this in this segment, our guest who has graciously decided to stick around will judge Jasmine and I as we discuss just whether we think this movie is actually just another version of the Matrix that Neo is trapped in and give our points for why it is or isn't. And then at the end, our guest, Maddie, the lovely Maddie, who is still here, uh, will tell us uh, which argument she finds more convincing. Uh, so yeah, this is Does It Matrix. I'm going to start, and I'm going to give some fairly compelling evidence for why this is The Matrix. Uh, I think we can all agree, and we don't have to agree right now. We'll do this later on down the road when we do John Wick. But I think John Wick feels to me like it's probably another version of The Matrix. It's got a, it's got a lot of like super heroic heroism and a lot of the same motifs and a lot of the same outfits. Um, and Keanu is, uh, you know, he's a basically a superhero with a gun in that movie, just like in The Matrix. And uh, you know, he looks a lot like John Wick in this film. Uh, he's wearing John Wick's clothes. He's got John Wick's beard. It's almost like he shot it at the same time as one of the John Wicks. Uh, and considering it only took him 10 days, it, it wouldn't surprise me if he did. Um, so he looks a lot like uh, looks a lot like John Wick. And if we can agree that John Wick is a version of the Matrix and this is pretty John Wicky, the way he looks, eh, you know, starting to feel a little Matrixy. At one point in the film, which we discussed earlier, he talks about his father shooting him. People's fathers don't shoot them. They certainly don't shoot them like in like a comedy of errors where they just like talk about it at family gatherings later on in their life. Like, I think that it's not that his father shot him. I think that there's a crack in the matrix and that Neo, who is Frank in this film, is is attempting to kind of access some sort of sense memory that he has of being in gunfights. And that's why he's remembering his father shooting him. But really, it was actually just Agent Smith, and that programming (laughs) is starting to deteriorate a little bit. Another interesting point, we have a a moment in the film where Winona Ryder's character, Lindsay, she mentions uh, the Devil's Advocate, playing the Devil's Advocate. Devil's Advocate, we know, is a Keanu Reeves film. A Keanu Reeves film where he, as a lawyer, fights the devil. That's definitely got to be a version of The Matrix, too. And if the computer knows that, if the computer is just building all these different versions of The Matrix, and Devil's Advocate is a version of The Matrix, this is another clear example that the programming is breaking down 
And it's referencing another version of the Matrix that already built for Neo. And one final point, Keanu Reeves doesn't age. He's clearly a machine. So he's clearly in the Matrix. I gotta be honest with you, it's gonna be tough for me to find a movie that doesn't feel like a different version of the Matrix. But this one, I think Destination Wedding definitely is. I mean, no one else speaks to them. He's clearly a program. They've programmed him, they've programmed him, they've programmed this girlfriend for him, and they only talk to each other. There's no other people speaking. It feels a lot like those moments in the Matrix where they're training and they're out in the real world and, and everything feels a little bit off and, and and the people feel like facsimiles. Yeah, I'm I'm not convinced that this isn't the Matrix. In fact, I'm convinced that this is the Matrix and Neo is trying to escape. That's where I stand. Does it matrix? Yes, it does. Jasmine, <laughs> what do you think? That was so impassioned. It's like, how do I follow that up? <laughs> well, uh, you know, you got to win because there's yeah. absolutely nothing on the line. <laughs> so. so for me, it does not. Um, I'll get into like uh, what I think a version of it, it would be. But the reason why I don't think is what universe would Neo ever fucking dream up this alternate universe? There's nothing in this that speaks to like a desire that has been um, made real. So like the simulations and everything um, in the first Matrix, the woman in the red dress, she's like this very desirable woman who he is like intrigued by. Mm-hmm. I don't think Lindsay would be pro- that the Matrix would program someone like Lindsay for Frank or this version of Neo to go after if we were to look in that specific example. Mm -hmm. And then also, like, the, and of course now I'm forgetting their names, but the bad guy who, like, eats the steak with the fork. Um, But, like, he... Yes, yeah, yeah. So, like, when he um, is in his own uh, version and he gets all these luxury things, that's the exact opposite of what he has to, like, go through the gruel and everything um, when he's training, that's a clear thing where it's, like, a universe, a universe um, of the Matrix is going to be like the best type of existence that you could imagine. The reason is, is so they can keep you happy, keep you content, keep you satisfied. So you don't even try to go after any cracks in the universe. The This setting is not at all, aside from the beautiful setting of it. Like Lindsay's, like I said, her house is boring. Frank's house is boring. Like Their a computer own- designed them? but it's still it's so boring that like if you existed in if you lived at a Lindsay's house you'd be like oh my god I want to get I want to find something else I want to I would not yes you are you you want to escape the matrix exactly (laughs) exactly well not the matrix per se you would want to escape your setting but it wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to be in another world you want another house so Um, your your conceit is that since since these people just suck so much and this life sucks so much, there's no way it's fake. Mm-hmm. It must be real life. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. But, and then also another reason why I don't think that it's um, a matrix or part of the matrix is that if anything, this would be a remix of something's got to give, which is one of my favorite uh, Keanu Reeves movies. Um, and I honestly would think that this, uh, going back to the play conceit, this would be, this would be realistic and it would honestly be 
like to- I would totally get on board with it if Erica Berry wrote a play about two insufferable, unlovable, odious people um, that exist in this universe as her own antidote to sleeping with Harry. And so in that case, that makes more sense than it being part of the Matrix. That <laughs> is amazing. And now I think I like Destination Weather more. <laughs> <laughs> I might need to amend my woes if, if that's actually the reading. Okay, so that is Does It Matrix. I say yes, mm-hmm. Jasmine says no. Maddie, you are the ultimate arbiter of whether or not this film is a version of The Matrix. What do you think? Can I say yes and no? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Oh, wow, 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 wow. I mean, you so can. Much more there is literally, as I said, nothing on the line. Yeah. So Maddie is going to punt, mm-hmm. as it were, mm-hmm. and we will get no solid answer, but I think two solid points. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Keanu Soares that was Does It Matrix. We are so so pleased that you decided to give us some of your time today and listen to the show. Jasmine, do you have anything that you would like to plug or uh, anywhere on social media you would like people to look for you? Uh, yeah, on social media across the board, it's Blueberry Jelly, um, Twitter, Instagram. What else do I use? Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, on Reddit. <laughs> yeah, on Reddit, just add a seven. <laughs> I do have a, a live journal, actually. And my live journal is Jelly Tea. And, but that is a, if you want to go to the down the route of reading um, slash fan fiction about Big Time Rush, you can find me there. <laughs> <laughs> you will not be, I will not be directing you to my live journal. Uh, it will read a lot like Destination Wedding. Um <laughs> And, and it has not been updated in over a decade, but um, well over a decade. Uh, Maddie, thank you for joining us today. Do you have anything you would like to plug or any charities, anything upcoming, <laughs> anything you want to tell people to go do, get out and do uh, anything like that? Uh, be good to each other. There you go. Be excellent to each other. That- this is a Keanu Reeves podcast. <laughs> All right. That is Maddie. She's been our guest. That is Jasmine. She's been your host. I am your co-host, G. Brett Williams. You can call me Brett and you can find me online at G. Brett Williams. That's Twitter. That's Instagram. And this has been... No, not Live Journal. This has been the Keanu Soares. Check back Keanu fans for more in the coming weeks. Mm